I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Hasta la vista, baby. Welcome, boys and girls, to another Broken English podcast. Thank you guys for watching. My name is Bola, and my co-host is the one and only Hugo. There we go. Boss. (laughs) (laughs) We went over this in the past. (laughs) So what's up today? Actors. Uh, Love them. Actors. Hate them. Actors. Actors. Mm. I don't hate them. I really have a respect for the good ones. I hate the, <laughs> the bad haphazard ones. ones. Well, no, I hate the uh, privileged ones. I do not like privileged actors. So this is going to be a rant from someone that has done some acting, but principally wants to direct and write and produce and produces. And it's also going to be with someone, i.e. Bola, who acts and also does these other things, but he has more experience in front of the camera. I have behind, but we're sort of marrying those two different sorts of styles, knowledge and experience to make broken English, etc. So here's my view on actors. A great actor is unbelievably inspirational to be around. Hmm. And I've come across quite a few of them. But I've also come across a lot of haphazard, complacent ones that seem to think, I don't need to know the lines. I don't need to show up and do things as they're meant to be done. Acting is easy. It doesn't require the hard work. It doesn't require any form of effort. And that's where you get people with the condescending approach towards actors of just turning around going, you know what? I can act. Anyone can act. It's not hard to act. Right. But it is. So my main view is this. I have great respect for people that take the craft seriously. I have great respect for people that show up and know their lines as things begin. If the particular sides are 2,000 words per uh, little portion of dialogue, know those 2,000 words. Come prepared. No other job do you show up without your stuff ready and expect to be taken seriously. A lawyer that comes into a courtroom that hasn't researched the case probably won't win the case. A doctor that hasn't, you know, researched the human body, etc. And I'm not likening acting necessarily to (laughs) surgery or law, but yeah. So what's this based on? (laughs) Or is it just, is, or is it just a rant? Oh, okay, this is just a general rant about those kinds of actors. No, this is a mixture. This oh, is a mixture. Right. So I don't want to specify the specific production I'm referring to. Right. You know about it, Bola, because you recently took a look. Mm-hmm. But there are some actors that I dealt with on this that would show up. And I'm saying this because I don't want to call people I know personally out. Yeah. I've spoken to them behind the scenes. But there are some actors that I have written literally 20 pages worth of dialogue for that have shown up and scared me with how good they are. There's this one actress, and I'll call her out by name, that I worked with called uh, Corrine Corovo. She was phenomenal. Like she memorized 20 pages worth of dialogue like the back of her hand. 
And a lot of people turn around and they act as if memorising a lot of dialogue is an impossible feat for an actor. An actor could never do that. Have you heard of the theatre? <laughs> <laughs> it's normal. Right. It, it's normal. Yeah. I, it depends what you're going in for, but someone that's taking this seriously needs to come in and take it seriously. Don't come in without being prepared. Don't come in unaware. And you treat everyone in the environment that's there to work with you with the respect that you expect. I think it's fair enough, right? Well, and this is, and that's what separates those who flourish and those who just don't. Right. Work ethic, right? Completely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not asking for much. If you are told tomorrow you're going to be saying these words, especially if it's small, if it's small, inexcusable. So what? But either way. But what do you take away from all that then? Is, from your personal experience, right, with dealing with those kinds of actors, right? Is there a way to weed regard? them out? I don't think there's really a way to weed them out until you are on set with them. I think it's like any sort of relationship or meeting. You have to get to know the person through a given circumstance. Like, for example, when people talk about how they'd react in any sort of emergency or situation, they're talking from a hypothetical perspective. Or if anyone gets interviewed for a job, again, you talk about it from a hypothetical perspective. Oh, yeah, 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 no, I could do that, no problem, I'll handle that, I'd be amazed at that. Right. And then you get into the environment, and you either sink or swim. And it's just, people don't understand how admirable and how amazing a really good actor is. Yeah. You know, the amount of burnout that I'm surprised they don't achieve, because they consistently perform exquisitely blows my mind the talent that there is amongst those that take it seriously is phenomenal but then like any other profession there are those that will just show up and as the north american term goes phone it in <laughs> right. uh and i i have I, you just get so disappointed because you've really tried to make something work and if they can't show up with knowing the material what do you do at that point? I mean, everyone's arranged to be here at this time to do this job. What do you do? See, I think the the, the, the things that we talk about here uh, are are especially specific to the, when you're in the independent crowd and you have to, you're in the independent world and you have to deal with these kinds of things directly, right? Because those right. kinds of people, in the more in the more of the system and the studio system and the professional system it's like they're just weeded out right they just won't get past they just won't get past uh, anywhere to be that close to things are you sure about that i <laughs> for the most part i can't say a hundred percent right but i think when you're in the room with somebody you can just tell whether they have a hone of their craft or not I'm sure, though, you've had experiences where you've been on set and an actor has not known their lines or an actor. I mean, there have been so many times when I feel like the script supervisor may as well be the actor. Uh, to be because honest. It's a, when, yeah, because the script supervisor every five seconds is hearing line, line, yeah. line, line, because the actor doesn't know their stuff. And again, yes, 
we all have lives, we all have complicated situations whereby it might not be that easy always to be able to deliver. But it just, it seems almost insulting to everyone else that's there if an actor doesn't show up knowing the stuff. You know what, surprisingly, I've, ne- I've never had that, that many, that many, um, I've never seen that that many times in the more professional realm. I've seen that a lot when we're talking about the indie world, but in the more professional realm, I haven't, it's quite, now that I think about it, to be honest with you, I haven't seen that where an actor just doesn't seem like they're prepared. Now, I've been in situations where I've seen an actor kind of just, um, one of the last thing, when, when I was doing, one of the last BG jobs I was doing was in Lost in Space, and um, it's just one of those things that happens in actors. Like, he was just hitting, you know, he was doing every scene, he was doing that scene, you know, perfectly. And for some reason, the last, when they did the last angle, he just couldn't, the lines couldn't come out anymore. And it was just wa- interesting to watch. And it's like, I re- and I recognize that uh, just being in, you know, diving into this craft that sometimes just that could happen for a million reasons. Get tired. It's a long day. Uh, maybe there's an emotional wave that comes at you for some reason and, and you're just, your brain is foggy. You just cannot hone. You just can't hone it. And I've seen that even happen. Actually, yeah, no, sorry. They, they even happened in the last acting gig I had, where the actress right. she was great. She was definitely prepared. But uh, towards the last end of doing the, towards the last end of it, doing a different angle, for some reason she had to. Even the director had to stop because she just couldn't get the lines out anymore. And it was just interesting to watch. And it was just like her brain just stopped working. And I just recognize that's a thing that could happen. But that's different from when somebody who just generally didn't read their lines and prepare uh, prepare for what they're about to do. So you have to differentiate between those. I'm just saying. Yes, I do. I'm just saying in the professional world, I've I've really I've, I just can't recall a time where I've observed an actor and it seemed like they didn't even know what show they were on. Like, I have many times. Oh, really? That's interesting. I have many times. And not just that. Look, I'm not saying that I do not empathize with an actor that has burnout or has whatever at the end of the day. But if you show up at the beginning unprepared, I think that's kind of inexcusable. If you, when you get into the gig, don't know what you're doing, don't know anything about it, aren't prepared... It's putting everyone else really in a horrible position where they have to just tolerate and appease what's going on there because you've left everything to the last second. Now, that's not to say that there aren't extenuating circumstances and so on and so forth. That's perfect. That's understandable in every single way. I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about, you know, a different angle, some sort of brain fart or whatever you want to describe it as those sorts of things are absolutely normal but I have seen many times I've had this experience in the indie world and in the mainstream world whereby you'll have an actor show up who hasn't fully prepared Mm. and just expects the lines to basically be fed to them there on the set and then maybe after take five they know what they're meant to say and they're always yelling at the script supervisor to have them be filled in with what they need to say yeah and it's just, it's a lack I, of preparation. I, it's just and just, I've never... seen... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I've seen it on 
Once Upon a Time. I saw it on Eureka. I've seen it on... Well, there's a couple of TV shows which aren't out yet, so I won't name those until they're released. But I've seen it on quite a few shows. I don't think I've seen it on many movies. No, actually, I saw it on the A-Team and a couple of other ones. But the point is... This is a profession which you prepare for. It is, when you really get into it, the most enjoyable thing in the world. Just know your stuff. Just act like you're bothered. Come prepared. Show up on time. Those sorts of things. And it's really frustrating because, as I say, with the actress that I mentioned earlier, Corinne, or Corina, sorry, she was unbelievable with the amount she memorised. And I would have her perform the entire scene, uh, which was about half an hour in length, over and over. Mm -hmm. And she would be consistently perfect. And it was inspirational to see, because you could tell that she'd taken time to learn the material yeah. and was taking it seriously. She could improvise and play around. She can mess up and still recover from it. And I think that that is really the mark excuse me, of a really good actor versus someone that just takes the approach of, eh, you just want to see my face, I'll say whatever words and it'll be fine. Now, would you say this was something that was, this was happening with the principals or was it just day players? Uh, well, it, it ranges because sometimes the principals get very lackadaisical about it because they are irreplaceable in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, I, can, I guess to. we just we seem to have different experiences because I, I honestly I've been on tons of stuff and I've just rarely seen that best example brain farts yeah Seagal. but somebody who seemed like you know they didn't didn't read the sides at all or didn't know where they were like I just in my experience it's just that's just never seemed to have happened the or, best example is Steven Seagal <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know that guy's a very particular <laughs> particular person. So I'm not. I've heard things about him and you know working with him. So I mean, he he's the rumors and whatever. quintessential example of a guy who has the job of an actor that doesn't really act like he. I I know stunt guys that he's interacted with where he's actually hurt them. That's not meant to happen. It's a stunt. It's meant to be performed. Right. And he consistently would hit them. Right. You're not meant to do that. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. That's. Well, that's a whole different. Animal. Shows up on set, doesn't know the lines. Will read the sides of a something. Someone right. else, almost like a teleprompter, gets fed everything. Yeah, I can see that. It's just like you know, I'm a star. I don't really have to take this any take this seriously anymore, right? I just don't understand it. And then I've seen I don't other understand examples. it either, but I, I know of it. Well, I've seen other examples whereby you have actresses having little fits and going off in flops because they don't like the fact that they can't remember the dialogue. And I'm talking about... <laughs> I don't know if I should mention the name, but a, a reasonably successful TV show on NBC, one of the leads just was horrible to deal with because she was unprepared. <laughs> and she took it out on everyone. Was this uh this was a TV show that's no longer present, right? Correct. Right. I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> right. 
I, it's just to me. I, I just say that I, you like we we know we know about that cliche of the you know the pre you know the uh, the entitled actor, right? The egoic actor. But in my experience, I haven't seen that many that that much of that. But I. I I recognize there's something like this is inevitable in any kind of profession, but I've, I've, for the most part in my experience, I've never seen that. And it's kind of interesting right. that that's, this is something you've seen a lot, and I've rarely seen that. I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot, and it has made me sort of... It separates the wheat from the chaff in terms of you see what a great actor is versus what a person saying lines is. I, I'm sure you've seen this. I've seen examples where, for example, a person will cry on cue. Yeah. And I'm not on about crying on cue with just squinting their eyes and doing their best to try and get some moisture to leave. I'm on about properly crying. You see actors like those that can turn emotion on and off. And then as soon as Kurt is uh, yelled, clean, absolutely calm. It's as if they didn't just burst out in tears. And they'll do that 10, 20 times in a row. And then there's other actors that just can't cut it, that don't know the words, that don't take the performance seriously, that seem to think it's all a game, um, that overtake the director saying, yeah, let's just do that again. Let's just start that again. Yeah. And it's just, it's a weird thing to see. It's, I guess it's a, an illustration in the film world of how life really is in terms of people's behavior and yeah. so on and so forth. And you have to recognize, especially if you're the lead or a big star or something like that, there's not going to be a whole lot of people that might call you out on it. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like I was watching Oliver Stone recently on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if, I don't know if he said it on this podcast or somewhere else, but he was compl- like he complained about Dustin Hoffman not knowing his lines. And yeah, yeah, it's just. I'm sure most of the most actors and things, and most actors that he works with are prepared and are in it. But yeah, occasionally this is something. If if there's any uh, filmmakers who are just starting out in this game and stuff like that, this is something you'll run into. Right, but it's not just the fact that this is something you run into, it's the fact that you should take that very much into consideration with who you will or won't hire and work with in the future because it needs to be the understanding of a person. You're always meant to be on your best behavior. Like, you're always meant to treat people with respect, which is a foundation that should be in every aspect of life, which it unfortunately is. But you treat people with respect and you treat your craft, whatever your craft may be, with a degree of seriousness. If you are the actor, you show up knowing your lines. If you are, uh, for example, someone involved in lighting, you know exactly which light's which. It's just being on top of different things. Yeah. And it's frustrating to be involved in filming something and have someone not actually have taken the time to learn the words that they could have learned if they'd given it the time. But it's one thing if there's a full you know 20 page rewrite the night before Mm -hmm. that's unreasonable from the writer's perspective and it's extremely unreasonable to expect of the actor but if we're shooting two months from now or two weeks from now and you're meant to memorize three pages 
I think you can do that. If and you... if not, acting might not be for you. <laughs> the the difference that any of our listeners or viewers will see is Bowler tends to be a little more reserved <laughs> in terms of uh, throwing punches and I should be but I shoot <laughs> from the hip in terms of saying if someone did a great job I'll be the first person to champion them and applaud if someone didn't I'll be the first person to boo Or maybe just sound. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, it's not about pulling. It's just like, to me, it's like if there's some things that are, that are not really in my control or in retrospect, or it's not something that comes up a lot, there's not much I can say to it because I reckon that in anything, in even all the departments, you're going to find that one person or a few people who are just like not there, who are not with it. Whether it's the DP, whether it's the sound guy or... You know, there's going to be just, I just recognize in this process that you're just going to have those days. You're going to have those people. And I just got to work around it. It's like, so because you're going to find that a lot of the times you got, you have no, there's nothing you can do. (laughs) You know, what are you going to do? It's like, you know, your big time actor, your big time lead shows up. And for some reason, the day before, now I can understand if, especially now this this is this also be, this is based on the degree of how bad it is because if they're just consistently if we're there for the like two months and this is how they're showing up every day, we're gonna have to have a talk. But you know if they if this is something they just do sporadically, okay, I'm willing to just overlook it and work around it or whatever. But if it be, if it's Definitely. a consistent thing, we need to talk because now this is holding up production and and costing money. Right. And that's that's where it really goes through. It's not necessarily my issue isn't as much that it's holding up production and costing money as in it's being disrespectful. To uh, yeah, and it's and it is disrespectful, especially it's it's disruptive, right? Especially if you can, if especially you, if that person has a lackadaisical approach to it, where it's well, like, yeah, because if your co-star or your co-actors happen to know all their stuff, you should know yours. Yeah, you should know yours. It's simple. Come prepared, <laughs> and do. You know, uh, one of the uh, comparatively uh, most gratifying jobs you get to play for a living and just treat it with a degree of seriousness. You could have fun in fiction, but be prepared because it's really a small bar to set yeah. to have someone that is a performer knowing their lines. Now, I have seen behavior where I've seen the one, and I won't name it. It's a certain superhero show, but uh, the one, one of the leads on it, I think, was doing something that was very, yeah, downright, pretty much disrespectful to the other, to the other actor, or basically, when it was time to shoot that other actor's coverage, they were chewing bubble gum while they were feeding that other, that giving that actor his lines, right, and it was just like. Like, come on, dude! Like, spit the gum out and get into it, so you can give that, give her her lines, right? Give her the lines right. that you're saying. And it was just, I was watching it, and I was like, oh wow. 
It really is a reflection of people's personality. Yeah. It really is a reflection of how people will or won't treat another person. But it is, man. It is. It's. It is what it is in that world. Like you're just gonna run into those actors, especially when they're on something big and they they got a big part in it, and it's like you know they just get entitled and their ego just inflates, right? And certain behavior comes out. I don't know. I was like, what do you do? If this was, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, what do you do, right? Yeah, I get that. I do get that. I think, though, that I, I very much hold the view of take it seriously. This is fun, but it's fun with a purpose. Right. You're trying to create something, and you need to show respect to the work. Yeah, it's like, it's nobody likes it. I mean, it's completely, dis- it's it's not very pleasant to be dealing with that kind of person, right? And that kind of situation. Thank, right. Thankfully, it doesn't happen all, all the time. Um, it happens, though. And, <sighs> you know, when these things happen, a lot of the times your hands are just tied. I mean, I suppose. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what can you do? Honestly, I'm like, I'm, it's, it's, not a, it's not a rhetorical question. It's literally, what can you do? I mean, are you going to be there as a director or the producer and like kind of cause a scene and like, you know, berate the person? Um, <laughs> like, that's just, now you're making a problem even worse. And it is tempting. It's tempting. But now, you've, now you're going to completely make a situation here and it's going to be t- And you just don't want to be doing that to your leads, right? And the environment and the onset environment itself. So, for me, the way I respond to it is basically the degree of it plus the situation. True. True. I mean, Hitchcock had his way with his actors and uh, Fritz Lang had his way with his. So. You know, there, there could yeah, be... Yeah, we all, we all treat them differently. What about a... I mean, I've seen this too where the director doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Oh, I've seen that as well. <laughs> right? I mean, it's I've like, seen that imagine well. you're looking, you're there as the actor, and it's like, this guy doesn't have a vision. Or he right. just doesn't know what he wants, and it's like, oh my God. Or he doesn't know how to ask. Or my favorite, as an actor, is like, this guy doesn't know how to communicate to me what he wants, right. or he, she wants. Right. Or my other favorite is, is this, like, I have a temperamental asshole here I have to deal with. <laughs> I think that the thing for an actor and the perspective that they really have to go with is they need to know what is wanted from them. And not just that, Mm -hmm. the crew also need to know from the director what is wanted from them. And just like we just referred to in no uncertain terms with regards to actors taking their craft seriously, there's also the director taking his craft seriously and other people taking theirs. Or on top of their game. Pardon? Or on top of their game, right? Yeah. But it's just, it's taking the time to, when you show up on set, be it any crew role or be it any acting role, decide beforehand. Leave very little to chance on the day. Okay, I want to try and get these shots. I want to try and have it moved this way. I want to try and do these first and then those first. Think and try and prepare as best you can. Like Obviously, blocking and things like that have to be done in a practical environment to understand, yes, okay, you look better over there, she looks better over there, da 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 da, da. 
Yeah. But you need to communicate with your actors. I need you to say this with more vigor. I need you to say this with less. I need you to deliver this more loudly, more quietly. You need to treat it in this manner, that manner. All these things have to be conveyed mm-hmm. to make the actor's job easier. But if the actor doesn't know the lines, you can go say it more aggressively and they'll go, sorry, what am I going to say more aggressively? <laughs> See, it, it, I guess this can cut both ways, right? Where an actor can be just looking at the director or the producers and it's like, these guys don't know what the hell they're doing. They didn't show up. And yeah, now, and then it could be the inverse, right? Where it's like the producers and the directors or director are looking at this actor and it's like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Or is this not on top, or just not into this, or not on top of this, and uh, it cuts both ways. But I think this is vital. This is good information for uh, aspiring filmmakers, right? I'll put it out there like this: um, communication as a director is huge, mm-hmm. especially with your performers, because if they don't know what you want, and if you can't really tell them what you want. It's gonna. It's not gonna bode well with what they're gonna do on the screen for you. Your, so your right. communication skills are very, very important. On how you communicate with them is very, very important. Mm-hmm. I, it's uh, huge. Thing. Huge. Can't emphasize it enough. So this is like this is free. This is vital. This is free information for those who are trying to get into this game. Right. Learn that it's an essential, essential skill. As an actor, though. <laughs> It's it's like anything, right? It's your work ethic. You got to show up prepared. Be- the minimum. Because you know your lines. You're, it's not the only one. You're not the only cuz if you're crashing and burning, you're you're <laughs> every, everybody around you is crashing and burning. Yeah. Yeah. You so your your no, your self self implosion is in is an external explosion explosion too that's affecting everybody around you. Yeah. So, essentially, you can tell we feel a certain way about this. <laughs> Good. Like, well, it's hard to disagree on something like that. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I heard that you recently got a new camera. What'd you get? So, right now, I am playing around with a Panasonic GH5. Cool. Which is a seems to be very popular along among a lot of indie filmmakers for what it's got so basically i've, I've gotten this thing in the last in just a few just what was it uh sunday and it's a hybrid you know mirrorless camera that's been used for a lot of things and it's like it's very popular among the indie filmmakers and so far i've just been it's been having a certain learning curve but I'm really just enjoying playing with it. And I can, it's going to definitely be that camera where I just use for, I might not use it for a more short film narrative stuff, but for things that are run and gun, it'll be the camera, you know, shooting right. B roll and, uh, uh, experimenting, learning. It'll be that camera. Probably, probably get a dedicated video camera for more serious projects or more, uh, structured projects. What made you choose that one over, say, Black Magic or something else? Well, it's because to me, it's like it just there was a price thing, and then also because it's a fact, it's a it's a photo camera and a video camera. I like because I like both of those worlds. I only want to do uh, film professionally, but 
I really do enjoy photography as a hobby and or as a way to be creative too. So the fact that I can just have something that can do both and you know don't have to spend too much money and then using it for you know also vlogging or things like that, right? It's just it 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 uh, checks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. So I saw this one. Price was right. Uh, also did a lot of homework around this. I was look. I was probably looking at watching YouTube for weeks now. So I was <laughs> doing just seeing every, seeing all what's out there, what's what what's being talked about, and this was something that this was camera was something that came up a lot. The GH five came up a lot. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with it. Yeah. There was a beautiful sunset on the beach the other day that was just absolutely gorgeous and I captured it but I think I can, I'm going to go back there because I think it could be captured even better if I just knew uh-huh. if I just uh, do some certain things to it differently but I was just looking at it and I'm like god damn this is a stunning <laughs> it's just the art of it too it's getting doing this stuff has gotten me more into cinematography well you know that's an entirely different path of subjects to delve into because that's another area of film that people really take for granted and don't appreciate yeah most talented people in that division uh are phenomenal exactly absolutely phenomenal as a i mean as an audience member nobody's taught like somebody who's a non-filmmaker has no idea what a cinematographer is or does and everything like that but if you, but people like us who are in the film world, kind of, we were more aware of that kind of thing. And for me, it's just something that's so crucial. The right. way a film looks is an art in itself that uh, should not be, and I emphasize this, should not be put to the back burner. Right. And also, I think that people need to understand or appreciate that you don't have to have a lot of camera movement to have a great frame to be a great scene there are so many different facets to cinematography that go overlooked Mm -hmm. you look at older films where it was literally put the camera down get your frame sorted have the entire scene take place within a static shot that in and of itself is an area of filmmaking which people overlook as well because it's the composition of the frame that also can play a major role. It doesn't just have to be swooping, panning, tilting, etc. There is beauty at points in the stagnant, static shots. There is definitely. If composed right, framed right, even, yeah, well, you don't have to have the camera moving every five seconds, right? It's just, and then we're not, and it's not even just uh camera composition too you yeah, the 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 um lighting you know now maybe i should go broader than cinematography what i'm talking about um what i can expand that on is basically what what i don't know what the what word where you can describe it but the, what you see on screen and a lot of people don't realize this is carefully crafted especially in a really professional film right everything you see the environment that they're in the colors the textures they're all they're not just always they're not just random things that are put there right they're 
put there for a reason because it adds a dimension to the to what you're seeing and i can set so things like set deck right those things are very very important because if you just throw somebody in like a bland white room right it doesn't photograph well it doesn't look well it doesn't look cinematic right it doesn't look art it doesn't look beautiful but if you choose the right colors the right you know textures and things like that it just makes a film uh pop it, it can it just makes a film and it makes a film distinctively um it makes the film certain it makes a film distinct one movie that comes into mind for example is amelie Mm. Right. If you watch it, you know, there's colors, there's certain colors that were chosen to it, that were chosen, certain locations. All these things were specifically chosen because it adds to the overall film. Right. And if you changed it, it would just be a. if you didn't, if the director didn't go in that direction, it would have been a different film, I would say. If he didn't right. choose those colors, if he didn't choose those locations, uh, uh, you know. If you didn't choose those textures, if you didn't choose uh, this color grading, all those things, it's like that look of the film. To me, it's, it, you know, it, it's one of those things that you're not thinking about, but it's important as an audience. Right. Now, for example, another example of The Matrix, right? I don't know if you ever noticed it, and it's more pronounced in the sequels, but when they're out of The Matrix, the color grading is more normal but when they're in the matrix the color grading is green i didn't notice that when i i mean i noticed a difference but i i didn't fully take in how different it was yeah it, it's one of those things you just i don't think if you if you it's not something you might not pick up right away but it's kind of like the, one of those things in the back of your mind right right and if you watch it again you'll if you watch it now you'll notice now that i pointed it out but it adds a, it adds a dimension to the story. Well, yeah, it definitely does. The color composition, color grading, yeah, color palettes, all these different things really matter with regards to the overall. And it's it, when it's completed. When it's done right, it's really cool because, like I said, watching in the Matrix, it's kind of like a visual cue where it's like, oh, he's in the Matrix because it's greener. The colors, every the color grading is greener. The color grading is greener, right? Playing with the theme of the the, the 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 movie, right, and the color, and then when he's in the the real world, it's just normal looking, right? Yeah. So getting back to filming, recently there was an article in the New York Times detailing Jurassic World Dominion continuing filming in England. Did you have a chance to take a look at that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. So basic. I, yeah, I took a look at it and well, we talked about this the last, we talked about this uh, a few podcasts ago, right? Uh, right? So we know it was still going on and they're still doing it um, and it's, they've got their precautions, right? It sounds like it's like the NBA where they've just. They've done it. They've done it here as well. Yeah. They have both in, I think, I forget the production company behind Jurassic World Dominion is it Universal? Yeah. Or is it Universal? Warner. I think it's Universal. Yeah, it's Universal because they have an amusement park ride for this and 
I mean, even in right. the article, they talk about that. You know, they need to get this out there for their amusement park ride. <laughs> but look, Sorry, it reminds me of something Scorsese said about the Marvel movies. <laughs> no slang. Even, uh, no, no, I'm not trying to trash the Jurassic Park movies. Well, look, here's the thing. They've taken it to a degree which seems quite smart. And I know that that was an issue here as well with the TV show The Good Doctor, where there's been... Uh, clash between IATSE, the local union, and with the production itself, which is beneath the Sony umbrella. The issue is, is IATSE is saying, from what I can, again, from what I've inferred, please do not quote, but from what I've inferred, they think it's excessive amounts of COVID testing to take place and an excessive bubble that's being created. And Sony is saying, we want to test at least three times a week. And I think Iancy was saying something like once a week. I'm not certain. But the idea is, is what they've decided with Jurassic World Dominion and that particular production is they are testing everyone on the crew and the cast thrice weekly. When you go there, there's a bunch of different uh, antibacterial mists that you have to go through. Uh, there are less people on set at each time. Everyone's wearing a mask. Hair and makeup do it a certain way. With regards to attaching a mic, there were comments from Bryce Dallas Howard that she attaches her own lapel mic, etc., etc. So there are these different ways that they're trying to go around it. They have an area called a green room as well. Excessive amounts of sinks and sanitizing stations. I mean, it really does seem like it's been taken seriously with the idea of getting right back into things. Mm -hmm. And I, I champion that. Mm -hmm. I think it's the only way you can move forward at this point. But of course, it's costing a hell of a lot. And it's like there's a 107-page booklet talking about what they do and don't do. And the BC Motion Picture Industry Association here just released their own booklet which also has different protocols and guidelines for people in bc that are involved in film to mm. be following and be aware of right it's the way forwards yeah this is what you have to do now in this climate to get something done right it's not it's to be expected we there's not we can't uh we're not at that point now where we can go back to normal so going forward this is the new normal there wasn't anything I shocking really, to me about the article. It just seems like, well, this is... If you're going to make a film right right now in this current situation, this is what you're going to have to do. These are the protocols. I don't think they were draconian or anything like that. No, I thought they were completely it's just, fair. Yeah. And uh, based on the fact that there is no vaccine. Unless, of course, you're Russian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you should is move no all these productions yet. to Russia now. That, uh, yeah, well, we, we can only see what happens through time. Because as it stands, we're just, either everything is at an impasse, or we find ways around it. Yeah, it's, um, there's not much you can do and say about this, is that this is what you're going to have to put up with, right? Or, right. And I don't think it's too, I don't think it's too much given the situation. No. No, I definitely don't. I mean, what else can we expect, right? At this point. Well, I, I like the fact that people are trying to adapt. I like the fact that there are many cities coming out with outdoor 
cinemas and drive-ins and there's some boat related drive-ins that people were setting up and yeah just the idea that there's the adaptation and the innovation that's going forwards yeah. i am curious as to how this continues through the winter though <laughs> there's only one way that to would find be the out. challenge uh there's only one way to find out because these will be the uh these will be the vanguards of uh what's going how to proceed with these things because they're going to figure out what doesn't work and what does work <laughs> yep my god yeah it's it, it's it's just the situation that we're in and i think what they have in mind right now is probably is the best best they can the best that can be done at this point i would that. have to agree with you there i haven't read the the booklet in its entirety i've read the article I but i haven't read the booklet but we can see what can be done there i don't I don't think it's necessary. Be... I don't. I don't think it's necessary to read the booklet. I think they've got pretty much got their the system that um, they're going to be the pioneers in all this in terms of like what's what you know how effective uh, their tech their their procedures and protocols are going to be, and then every production is probably going to be watching this right now and thinking, okay, well, let's see what happens. Yeah, well, we are. <laughs> We're sort of tuning into it as close as we possibly can. I think they'll be. I think they'll be fine. But it'll be just just even interesting to see what what are all the variables that play out in that kind of uh, 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 what would you call it filming situation. It's very unique. It is very unique. And on that note, of things being very unique, you've just listened to another broken English podcast. <laughs> Thank you should you. feel accomplished. <laughs> you give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> Two if need be. Well, anyways, thanks to God. Thanks to all you guys for watching and listening, of course. And just stay tuned for more and more episodes to come. We're not just that. Watch out for the productions that are coming soon. And when they hit, you know you'll be very, very happy with them. And if you aren't, Oh well. Be if you go into a movie theater, please uh, be careful out there. And when Definitely. I say be careful, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about uh, what you watch. <laughs> Take precautions. Bad movies in this climate are not good for anybody. Unless a good bad movie. You don't want to catch COVID over some shitty twenty dollar movie you had to go watch or something like that. It just makes it worse. I, I like the fact that you're sort of going. You don't want to catch COVID over a bad one. No, if it's a freaking great film, movie, it's like if it, it's a good film. If it's a good film, you don't need to worry as much. If like, I, at least if I catch film. COVID during a masterpiece, it's like fuck. I mean, shit, it was worth it. Was... Bye. <laughs> Adios, folks. Until next time. <laughs>